If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. Well, as Gary's already said, Happy New Year. It's hard to believe. 2016. How many of you remember before we hit the 2000s? It's like you can't even, you couldn't even think 2016. That's where we find ourselves. Now, let me ask a, a real good question here. How many of you have eaten too much in the last week and a half? I, I was over hearing someone the other day say this. They said, I've gained 10 pounds in two weeks. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of weight you get in there. But anyway, uh, but one thing I look forward to about a new year is it's always a time of evaluation in your life. I don't know. I think a lot of people take opportunity to do that. It's just kind of look at their life and look at where things are and hopefully you look at yourself spiritually or where you may be. But one thing that I like about this time of year is not only we've just come through Christmas, we get the start of a new year, but now we get to get back into routine. I like routine. How many of you like routine? I like to get away from it, but I like to get back to it. And so our church schedule for the rest of the week, we're back on schedule, thank goodness. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday night for a Bible study if you want to join us for that. And then uh, next Sunday, everything's back to normal, and er everything's just normal. I like normal. Ephesians chapter 5. Well, the most popular movie in the world right now is Star Wars The Force Awakens. Now, the main premise of the series of movies in the Star Wars collection is that whole idea of fleeing the dark side. One of the themes Paul deals with in many of his epistles is fleeing the darkness. Now, now think about this. What is it about darkness? What is it about it? When we, are, when we were children, we feared it. How many of you were afraid of the dark when you were a child? I was up to about age 14, and after that, I was fine. But up to 14, it was really difficult for me. But anyway, darkness. I mean, we, we feared as children. Most criminal acts happen under the cover of darkness. And when you really think about it, darkness is really nothing in and of itself. Have you ever thought of that? It's really not. Darkness is not anything in and of itself. It is actually the absence of light or the void of light. So darkness itself is nothing. It's the void of something. That's what darkness is. So therefore, light is the influencer of darkness. Today, what I want us to do is look at fleeing the dark side. We're back in Ephesians, in him, for him, in that series. And, and if you have an outline, go ahead and pull that out. We're going to look at the introduction here. And I think there's something here in this introduction that really needs to be addressed, that really speaks to where we are as a nation, where it really speaks to us as where we are as the people of God. Look at the introduction. The church in America is rapidly losing its influence. How many of you see that? Many have speculated that it is because the light of the church is diminishing. Simply put, there is a dark world, but a dimly lit church. The world needs a church made up of God's people that reflects the brilliance of his light. How many of you agree with that? I think we all would. And so when we look at the church and we say, okay, well, what do you mean the church? Are we talking about a building? Are we talking about brightening the room? No, we're talking about the people that make up the church. 
We are the ones who are called to be light. Jesus once said this to those who followed him. He says this, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We are called to be light. Now, there's, in several passages in Scripture, you'll find a statement like this. We are to walk in light. But there's several passages, and this is one of them Jesus is saying to himself. It doesn't, say, it doesn't only say we're to walk in light. It tells us this. We are to be light. That's a, that's a different way of looking at it. Now, what Jesus is saying here is this, is that we as followers are called to be light in darkness. We are called to be an influencer. We are the light of God. We are to let our, our light shine and it will dispel the darkness. Now, here's what, here's what many Christians don't realize. We, just because we're Christians, we have influence just because we're Christians. Let me tell you why. I was talking to someone just before the service. The, the fact that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit resides in us because of that. Because of that, we have great potential to, to influence the people around us, to influence the world in which we live. And it's through the work of the Holy Spirit through us that that can happen. Now, let me just tell you this. When that happens, when you demonstrate the light of God in this dark world, the world is not necessarily going to be happy with you. How many of you have noticed that? Yeah. You're in family sometimes. Uh, we, we, I don't know about you, but how many of you agree that all families have issues? You, you, you figure that out around Christmas, don't you? You get around with those people. And I'm just, but anyway, you do, and, and we all do. There's dysfunction everywhere, and all of a sudden, even in families, when we get together, sometimes there's a clash between light and darkness. How many of you figured that out? And that's not easy sometimes. Sometimes it can be very discouraging, very disappointing, and we find that in many families. We find it in our nation. We find it in many churches. So we are called to be light. So that being said, how does light influence? If we're called to be light and we're called to be an influencer on our society or those people around us, what does it look like? Well, first of all, look on your outline. Light transforms. Light transforms. Someone has rightly said this. The church did the most for the world when the church was least like the world. Now, here's what they were saying. In other words, the greater the contrast between the church and the world, the greater the possible influence. How many of you see that? that that's logic. That only makes sense. So the greater the contrast between the church and the world, the greater potential for influence. This is Paul's message in verse 8. When you look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. So look on your outline. He's talking about the contrast. The contrast. In verse 5, look at verse 8. Says, he says this. For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Now, notice the terminology here. It doesn't read, you walked in darkness. What does it say? You were darkness. It doesn't read, you are walking in the light. It says, you are light. You are not, listen, this means this. You are not defined by what you do. You're defined by what you are. 
That is a big difference when you really think about it. Now, what you are will become part of who you are and all that. But the key here is the terminology. Verse 8 is a sharp contrast. Here, it reveals conversion. Here, it reveals transformation. When someone goes from darkness to light, can you think of any other greater transformation than that? You really can't think about it. You can't really put anything together like that. Because the contrast between darkness and light is a great contrast. And he says this, you were darkness, now you're light. Now, moving from darkness to light radically changes things. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm just going to tell you, it's always radical. There's going to be a change that is radical. You may say, well, really? I mean, you're probably like me. I was a young child when I came to know Jesus. I was. I was eight years old. I was convinced. Uh, Now, what was the contrast like? Well, for me as an eight-year-old, I remembered. I I was broken by my sin as an eight-year-old. I was someone who, who my life did change as an eight-year-old. I, I, did, I no longer viewed the bad things that I did. I viewed those things differently. I, was a, I struggled with doing things that were wrong. I remember that. There was changes that took place. Now, let's look at this contrast. Those who are darkness, look on your outline. Those who are darkness do the work of the enemy. The Bible says that. Here's what it says in John 8. He says, Jesus said this, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was talking, he was addressing those who are walking in darkness, the religious of the first century. And then you see this, those who are in darkness are under the rule of the enemy. Colossians chapter one says this, it says, he, meaning Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness. Before we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, before he, he, he set the stage to deliver us from the darkness, guess what? We were in darkness. And the Bible says we were under the power of darkness. Y'all, that's a big statement there. Here, here's another one. Those who are in darkness are awaiting the wrath of God. Uh, let, let, let me show you that. Romans chapter 1 says this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That means they don't let the truth speak to the situation. They suppress it. They don't want to hear the truth. They had rather live in their darkness. They had rather live in their unrighteousness. And that's what this is talking about. Guess what? For those who live in such a way, there is a wrath that awaits them. Now, let me just say this. When you look at verses like this, when you see things like this, it it, it should cause you to to not only take heed, but it should also cause you to to, to look at others with great compassion. You you do know we live in a dark world, don't you? You know what makes it dark? The people of darkness makes it dark. And and listen, the thing that you need to realize is that people who live in darkness are, are many times deceived are many times in a, in a world that, that is so dark that they don't know, that they start losing touch with what is right and what is wrong. They live in such, such deception that they don't even know who they are. And, and we see that everywhere. And we should have compassion for not only how they are living, but also for what awaits them, the wrath of God. It, it gets worse. The, those who are in darkness will be cast into outer darkness. 
Look at what the Bible says. Jesus said this himself in Matthew chapter 8. But the sons of the kingdom of the enemy, just speaking of the enemy, will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Y'all, this awaits for those who walk and who are darkness. Can I, can I remind you of something? That's who we once were. That described our future at one time. Next, those who are light. What, there's a, there's, a, there's a, a stark contrast. That those who are light do the work of God. They're not doing the work of the enemy anymore. They're doing the work of God. In Ephesians 2.10 it says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So now we're doing the work of God, number two. Or secondly, those who are light are under the rule of Christ. We were under the rule of darkness. We were under the rule of the enemy. Now we're under the rule of Christ. You know, it's amazing how people get out there and they say things like this. I don't want to be subject to anyone. I don't want to be subject to authority. I don't want anybody ruling over me. Guess what? Everyone is ruled over. Everyone. Everyone who's ever lived has been ruled over. You're either ruled over the darkness or you're ruled over by Christ. So what does it say? Colossians chapter one, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Next, those who are lighter are awaiting the promises of God. Listen to this. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that we should live together, how? With him. That's great promise there. And then here's another one. Instead of being cast into outer darkness as those who walk in darkness, listen to this. Those who are light will go to a place of light. Isn't it amazing how you hear these stories of people who have what they call near-death experiences? I'll be honest with you. I don't know what to believe about all that, but I will tell you this. Isn't it amazing how often people see a light? Isn't that amazing when you really think about it? And here's what's amazing. The Bible tells us that when we die, if we are in the light, we will go to light. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, the city, speaking of heaven, had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb, which is who? Jesus is its light. It is a place of light. Now, Let's look at the next, another point. Look on your outline. Light transforms. You have the contrast, but also you have the command. In, Roman, in Ephesians chapter 5, the latter part of verse 8, it says this. The first part says, you were darkness, now you're in the light of the Lord. And then he gives us this command. Walk as children of light. When he says walk, he's talking about let the fact that you're light, let your conduct reflect that. Okay? That's simple. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But what does that look like? Let your conduct be as those who walk in the light, as those who walk in truth. Now, here's what you need to understand. Light is a symbol in the Bible. It is a symbol for two things or two different aspects. First of all, it is used to describe an intellectual aspect. Secondly, it's used to describe a moral aspect. Now, intellectually, light refers to truth, okay? Morally, light refers to holiness. So, 
Living in light means living in truth and living in holiness. It means receiving the truth and living a holy life. On the other hand, here's where the contrast is. Darkness intellectually refers to ignorance and deception and moral, morally refers to evil itself. We are commanded to walk in the light, to live what we are. And what are we according to scripture? We're light. We're, we're told to walk in that. So how do we fulfill the command to live as light? What does it mean to, to allow light to be who we are. Now, this is not on your outline, but this is free, okay? All right, so I'll give you this. I'm gonna give you some ideas about what light does. You ever thought about what light does? I, don't th I think most of us just take light for granted. How many of you take light for granted? I think we all do, don't we? But let's look at what it does. Light penetrates. It penetrates. It cuts through and eliminates darkness. Light enlightens it enlarges from a from an intellectual perspective, it enlarges a person's vision and knowledge. The more light is shown on something, the more we can understand it. How many of you have seen that play out in your life? Oh yeah. How about this? Light reveals. It clears the path for truth. Light warns. It warns of danger that lies ahead a person's path. Light guides. It directs the path to travel. Matter of fact, the Bible has a verse for it. Psalms 119, 105. Here's what it says. Psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What does that mean? It warns, it reveals, it guides, it enlightens. It does all those things. Next, light strips away darkness. How many of you, when you were small, had a little night light by your bed? Anybody have that? You know, we still have night lights, don't you? They're called alarm clocks. We, we don't want to admit it, but we still have the night light. You know that, right? And, and what's interesting, when I was a kid, I, I remember I was terrified of the dark. I don't know what my issues were. I, I would have my sisters walk through dark areas before I would, and they were smaller than me. But, but anyway, but, but for some reason, I was terrified of, of darkness, and I remember my grandmother, I used to go, love to go stay at my grandmother's house, and she had a Humpty Dumpty nightlight. I don't know about y'all, but Humpty Dumpty, was, he was terrifying to me. <laughs> Do you remember the story? I mean, that, I mean, just looking at him like, ugh, you're weird. I mean, anyway, but anyway, I had that, and, and it did help. And I don't know where I'm headed in this story, but anyway... <laughs> Light strips away darkness, whether you're talking about alarm clock or Humpty Dumpty. Okay, here we go. Light clears away chaos. How about this? Light discerns between right and wrong. Light, here's another one, protects. It protects a person from the dangers of darkness, from stumbling or from falling. There's a verse for that in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 6 says this, For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproves of instructions are the way of life. And really, it's the whole idea of allowing the Word of God to correct us, to lead us, to warn us, to guide us, to help us through this dark world. In 1 John, we have a lot of talk about light and darkness. In 1 John chapter 1, look here on the screen, it says this. This is the message which we heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You know what this is saying? It is saying that we are perfectly capable of deceiving ourselves into thinking that we're walking in light. Now, I don't know about you, but that's hard to believe. It's hard to get your mind around. How many of you, if you were to go out and you were to go out during the day, you would recognize that that's that's different than going out at night? How many of you would say, well, that's obvious? Do you know what the Bible says? That we can be deceived in such a way that we don't know the difference. That's amazing when you think about it, that we're capable of being deceived that badly. It goes on and says this, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we are having fellowship one with another. That that means we, we, we are capable of maintaining a relationship with each other because they're walking in the light also. Kind of goes back to that whole idea. How many of you have ever met someone before, knew absolutely nothing about them, but your gut instinct told you that they have to be a Christian? You ever met those people? That's that whole idea of two people walking in the light. We don't understand. We don't know them from Adam, but there's just something about it. There's that connection that's made. It's walking in the light. It goes on and says this. We're having fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, is cleansing us from all sin. That means this. That means that as we are walking in the light, there's not only the fact that we have fellowship with one another. It's not only that whole idea that deception is being dispelled, but it's this whole idea that we're working our way out of sin, okay? And it, not, not to gain approval to go to heaven, but we're working. God is doing a purifying work in our lives through the blood of Jesus. Next, The command is to walk in the light and not in darkness, to be transformed by the light. So that leads us to this. Look on your outline. Light transforms. We see the contrast. We see the command. But here we see the core. What's at the core of this? Now, look at chapter 5, verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit, which is light, is or could be light. Some of your translations actually say this. For the fruit of the light... How many of you have a translation that says that? About half the translations say light. But my translation says, for the fruit of the Spirit, or for the fruit of the light, is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, these are all, these three are all at the core of what it means to live as light. This is the core. Now, there's a lot of people who claim to live in the light, but they're not living in the light. Let me give you an example. Oh, I've been going to church for many, many years. I'm very religious. I'm very religious. I've given a lot of money to the church. I've been in a certain denomination since I was baptized, christened, or confirmed. I am a church member. And that's all that they are counting on right there. They're not walking in light. If that's all they're counting on, they're not walking in light. They're walking in deception. They're walking literally in darkness. Here's the real test. The real test is the fruit. What is the fruit of light? Now, let me just say this. Here's what we mean by that. If you say you're walking in the light, if you say you're walking in light, there will be things that will reveal that you're walking in the light. Does that make sense? Okay, there'll be confirmations. Now, what are some of those confirmations? What's at the core? What's at the core of who you, it's the core of who you are. Now, let me give you a definition of the word core. Listen to this. The central part of a fruit containing the seeds. That's what the core is. Here's another way of looking at core. The central 
innermost or most essential part of anything. It's something that is at the core. And because it's at the core, there are certain things that are going to be, that will come from it. Whether you're talking about seeds, behaviors, whatever. Paul in verse 9, listen, describes the core of the light. If you are light, this is what's going to be at the core. Goodness, which means moral excellence. It, it could also mean usefulness. There's going to be righteousness, which means not devi- deviating from the path of purity. There's going to be truth, which, mean, which is really a reference to integrity. And so when you look at these three things, it's really saying a lot. First, goodness is relating to others, how we treat other people. It's going to be demonstrated. If we're walking in the light, it's going to be demonstrated to other people. Here, here's another one. Secondly, righteousness in relating to God. If we're walking in the light, there's going to be a certain relationship that we have with God. It will be defined by righteousness. And thirdly, truth in relating to oneself. That's where we get the whole idea of integrity. Of integrity. Now, those who are light are at their core good to others on a path of purity and have integrity. Now, let me say this. Does this describe the Christian 100% of the time? It doesn't describe this one. I fail at this sometimes. I really do. Sometimes when you look at me, you don't see the core and what it should be. Now let me just say this. When something's at the core of who you are, it should be there. Righteousness, goodness, truth or integrity. Those things should be there. The way we look at salvation, the way we look at walking in light, we have to realize we're living in an imperfect body. How many of you realize that? We're dealing with flesh issues here. And so what happens is this. It's not that there's the void of those three things operating there. Those things are still there. Let me tell you why they're still there. Because when I'm not operating in them, I find it difficult to live, to live with myself, to live with others, to have the relationship that I desire to have with God. And so therefore, as as that should be my core, because of the fact that I'm not submitting to the things that are of of light, I'm submitting to other things, maybe it's darkness or whatever, but listen, this is still the core. Do you know how I know it's at the core? Because this is deep down where I really want to be. Does that make sense? That's where I want to be. Boy, I I fail miserably at times. But I still want to be there. That tells me something about the fact that I may not see light that may be evident. It tells me the fact I still want to be light. And that's what we're seeing here in Scripture. Now, here's another one. Light transforms. We see the challenge. Look at chapter 5 again. Look at verse 10. Here's the challenge. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. How do you find out what's acceptable to the Lord? You got to look at the true light. You got to look at Jesus and his example. You got to look at truth and what it tells us. That's the reason we need to know the word. Living as light, listen, is not satisfied until it lives out what is accessible, what, excuse me, what is acceptable to the Lord. 
We are challenged to live a life that is transformed by the light. This does not imply perfection, but process. Now, here's what you need to understand. While pursuing a life of light, we will never be perfected in this body. How many of you have proven it already? We have. But we will not be satisfied to live in darkness. You see what I'm saying? Doesn't mean we're not going to live in darkness. Sometimes we find ourselves there. But we will never be satisfied to live there. There will be always be a longing to live in light. How many of you figured, found that out before? I'm over here and I'm operating in darkness, but for some reason I still long to walk in light and to be light. We, 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 that's, what, that's the challenge. We who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we who have been identified as light, we who have the Holy Spirit working within us, we will never be satisfied living in darkness. We will always long to live in light. It doesn't mean we're always going to get it right, though. But we will long to. Listen, when you're living in darkness and you're satisfied to live in darkness, you're not a part of light. You're not a part of the kingdom. You're not a part of what God is providing for you through Jesus Christ in your salvation. You'll never be satisfied to live in darkness. So, what does that look like? It leads us to this next point. Look on your outline. Light exposes. Light exposes. It not only transforms, it exposes certain things. And the first thing I want you to see is the prohibition. Look at verse chapter 5. Look at verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't, don't have fellowship with those things. Don't, don't get entangled with those things. Listen to this. Here, here's why this is important. And this is logical. Light and darkness cannot coexist. Did you know that? Can't coexist. It's not possible. So what does that tell me about my life, my walk? I'm either going to be operating in light or I'm going to be operating in darkness. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> it, it one or the other. So, so here, here's what we need to understand. We are called to live a life of contrast. Light reveals what is prohibited by God. Now think of this. The closer we get to the light, to the truth, the greater the potential to see what is prohibited. Okay? So here's, here's what we need to understand. The closer I move to light, the closer I move to the example of Jesus Christ, the closer I move uh, to the surrender to the Holy Spirit, the closer I move to the, to the words of truth found in God's word, the more I'm there, the closer I get to that leads to the fact that I do not have to be deceived by darkness. Okay? I don't, I'm not walking in what is prohibited. I will always know what is prohibited. Okay, so, so there's something going on here, all right? Walking in darkness makes it difficult to see what is prohibited. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many, time, how many of you have seen Christians who have lived in deception? Is it possible? It is possible. I, I, I've helped Christians walk through their deception. A better illustration, there's been times in my life where I've been deceived myself. Only for God's word to shine light on it and say, uh-uh, this is darkness. This needs to be dispelled. So, God's word is the light. Did you know that the Bible also says that God's word is a mirror? 
How many of you, um, <clears throat> I don't really want to admit to this, but um, all these years, and I'm picking on Tina right now, but how many of you ladies have makeup mirrors? Y'all have those things? You know what I'm talking about? You got them? I used to sit there and kind of, you know, we, we got a bathroom that has two sinks. I, I, don't, I don't know that I ever could go back to a single sink. But anyway, we got two sinks. And I'm over here getting ready. And I've always, over the years, watched Tina get ready. And she'll sit down in front of that thing, get real close. You know, she's doing all this stuff, you know. Sorry about that. But anyway, <laughs> in recent years, do you know what's happened to me? I have slowly made my way to, this is hard to admit, are you about through with that mirror? <laughs> now, I want to attribute that to my eyesight is gone. How many of you have figured out your eyesight just kind of leaves, you know, so you need all the help you can get? But y'all, there are things happening on my face <laughs> that have never happened before. There are things popping up. There's things that there's hair growing all kinds of crazy ways. And, and I'm sitting there and I... And I remember the first time I ever looked into that mirror, it just blew me away. I sat down in front of that mirror. I was like, you let me go out in public like this? <laughs> Hair growing all kinds of ways out your ears, sideways. I mean, stuff coming at you. I mean, it, it, it was, you know what I'm talking about. You can relate. But you know something? I'm going to tie a spiritual principle to this. <laughs> you know something? I didn't even realize it until I took my turn at the mirror. I didn't realize it. And I sat down there. So now when I shave, I used to think I was getting everything. <laughs> I look in there. And I'm like, oh, here's something I missed. And oh, here's something I missed. And how in the world did that get there? You know, that kind of thing. And now I'm really doing a better job of making myself presentable. But you know something? God's word works the same way. It's not only light, it's the mirror. It's the mirror. And, and for many of us Christians, we go around and we do, we're just kind of doing our own thing, doing, not even realizing there's something right there that needs to be addressed, but we don't get close enough to the light, we don't get close enough to the mirror to see what really needs to be addressed in our lives. Next, light exposes the obligation the obligation. Look at chapter 5 again. Look at verse 11. He says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. This means we are to live in such a way that the light of our life, listen, exposes, rebukes, and convicts those who walk in darkness. How many of you have had issues with family members, coworkers, people that you're around, that you're around a lot, and there's, there's something between y'all and you can't put your finger on it. You, you ever been there? You know there's something there. You know there's, we're not where we used to be. Did you know this? Did you know that if you walk as light, you live as light, and your life represents truth, that when you get near someone who's walking in darkness, you know what I've found? They don't like it. They don't like it because here's what it does. It brings rebuke to their life. Just you living the life you were called to live, it brings conviction to their life. And to be honest with you, most of them don't want to be around you anymore. 
I've seen that. I've seen it play out. And it used to be, I don't know about you, but I've talked to people and they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. People just don't want, people don't want to be around me. Well, number one, you need to figure out if you're a jerk, that could be a reason for it, okay? But it's not necessarily all this, that is that. It could be that you're just living what you've been called to live, and that's to live as light. Darkness doesn't like light. Doesn't like it. We are called to be light. We are to live in the light. How? By living the truth of God's word. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter four. This is why it's so painful. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Let me tell you something about the word of God. The word of God is not only something that we find in the pages of God's word. The word of, light, the word of God, listen, can be represented in us living as light. We can represent the word of God. Did you know that? And when we go out and we're operating as light and we're operating in the truth of God's word, guess what? That's powerful. That is powerful. The dark world sees the contrast. Now, here's another one. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That means there's a lot that gets revealed when the contrast is as big as it is, when you're bringing light and you're placing it beside darkness, when you're bringing darkness to the light, contrast, you see things more clearly because of the contrast. Here's another one. Light exposes the admonition. The admonition, look at chapter five, look at verse 12. For it is shameful. Some of your translations say this. For it is filth, for it is ugly, for it is indecent, even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. What does this mean? It almost seems out of place. Here's what it means. We need to take darkness and sin seriously. Did you know that? Got to take it seriously. The problem with the church of today, the problem with the people that make up the church of the day, the problem with me at times, I don't take it seriously. Sometimes I find myself laughing at it. You say, you're a sinner. Well, you, you do the same thing. And the thing we need to realize is we got to take it seriously. Here's another one. We need to be careful about what we expose ourselves to. Here's another way of looking at it. We need to be careful about, how, about what we allow ourselves to be exposed to. Now, now, here's what I mean by that. It used to be when I was a young pastor many years ago, I used to try to counsel with people, try to help them find solutions through the Word of God. And they would come to me, and sometimes they would be coming out of a lot of darkness. And they would come in my office, and, and, and we would sit down, and we would start talking, and they would want to describe the darkness in which they lived. And they would get, they'd start giving these details, and they would start doing these things. And as a young pastor, I, I thought to be a good pastor, I needed to hear it all. I needed to help them walk through it. I needed the details. And you know something? I found out that some of the darkness that they were, was, was creating things in me I didn't need. They were creating curiosity in my flesh. They were creating things that light didn't need to be exposed to. And so you know what I do now? Now some of those conversations try to come up. And you know what I say? I'll say, listen, I don't need to know all the details. But here's what you need to know. There's darkness over here. Let me point you to light. That's kind of what this verse is saying. So many times we get over here and, and even in our best intentions to help someone, we could be exposing ourselves to things we shouldn't be exposed to. 
And it can be difficult. Listen, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, in any sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Let me tell you one thing I've often known. Be gentle because you yourself could find yourself in the same sin. I've always known that's what that meant. But I think it means something else also. I think it also means that you need to be careful how you deal with someone who walks in darkness. You got to be careful with them and how you're helping them. Here's another one. Light exposes. We see the illumination. Anytime you see illumination in Scripture, anytime you even think about illumination as it refers to, to something that is spiritual, you just need to think work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that illuminates us. Look at chapter 5. Look at verse 13. But all things that are exposed are manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Meaning when light touches something, listen, it becomes light. It is influence. It is change. Light has great potential to change a life. But the life it touches, listen, must be moldable and submissive. Here's what happens. Here's the hindrances to light. If a person's living in darkness and light is shown, here's some of the hindrances that will keep them, that will cause them to repel the light, okay? Hurt, hurt will cause them to do that, okay? Pride, that one shows up a lot. If you're sitting there and you're trying to confront someone, you're trying to help someone, and, and they're, they're pushing back the light, it's these things. These things are in the way. They've been hurt badly. They don't know how to respond. They're having a hard time reaching through their hurt to something that's light. They just want to stuff it. Pride will cause that. Shame will cause that. Guilt will cause that. These are the hindrances. Light, however, listen, reveals our darkness, our filth, our dysfunction. How many of you like for that just to be revealed? Yeah, Lord, bring it on. Show me the filth. Show me the dysfunction. None of us like that, do we? But that's the way we walk as light. We have to see these things. Next, light awakens. I'll go quickly. First of all, it makes one aware. In chapter 5, look at verse 14. It says, awake you who sleep. It's a reference to those who are dead spiritually. It's a description of most of the people in the world and in our world today. You see, there was a time in our lives where this described us. We were asleep. Anytime the scripture, many times when the scripture says asleep, it means dead. Something that is dead. He's saying, wake up, those of you who are spiritually dead. But then light makes one alive. He goes on in verse, in, in verse 14 and says, arise from the dead. And then number three, it makes one alert. And verse 14 says this, and Christ will give you light. He's the only one capable of giving you light. Did you know that? Buddha offers some type of light. Hindus offer some type of light. But the true light is found in Jesus Christ. Here's a commentary on Ephesians 5.14. How many of you remember Hank Williams? I'm not talking about Junior. I don't know what happened with him, but he, anyway, I'm talking about the senior one. I've only seen pictures of him. He's before my time, okay? But anyway, he sang a song that, that captured the world for a while. Here, here it is. I'm not going to sing. I'm going to read it to you. I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my, save, my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night 
in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Just like a blind man, I wandered along. Worries and fears I claimed for my own. Then like the blind man that, gave, that God gave back his sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I was a fool to wander and astray. Straight is the gate and narrow the way. Now I have traded the wrong for the right. Praise the Lord. What? I saw the light. Here's the chorus. If you want to sing it, go ahead. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. Praise the Lord. Everybody now, I saw the light. There you go. Y'all, that's what it's all about. There was a time where we were not walking in darkness. The Bible just says it this way. We were darkness, but now we're light. Here's the application. You do not have the ability to save anyone. Did you know that? But you can bring the light of the gospel to this dark world. And y'all, we've been commanded to do that. This can only happen when you walk in the light. So here's the question. Are you walking in the light? Here's a better question. Are you fleeing the dark side? Are you running from it? Are you running to the light? Would you stand to your feet? Father, we just thank you so much for your blessings, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge of your word this morning. And Father, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, they've never seen the light as it truly is represented in Scripture, I pray today will be the day they give their life to you, Father. Father, if there's a Christian that's here today, and Lord, I've been there so many times myself, and we are, we are light. We're called to walk in light. We're called to be represented as light. But sometimes we let the darkness creep in, the deception, our flesh, begins to reach out. Father, I pray for that Christian that's living in a contrast that's so great that they're miserable. They're balancing, trying to balance the things that they know as light and the things that they know as darkness. And they're, they're trying to walk that line. And Lord, help them to realize that those two things really can't coexist. It would just bring about destruction. Father, help them to realize that they need to get back to the light. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we pray that it transforms us. Thank you for what you've done in Jesus' name. Getting ready to sing a hymn of invitation. I hope you'll join us in that. The altar.